Uh, Harper, do you have a minute? Can I talk to you about something? It's kind of personal. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, I was just wondering, man, do you have COVID balls? What the heck are COVID balls? Oh, come on, man. You know it. We've been on lockdown for a while now. I don't think you've seen any lady friends recently. And uh, I'm sure you've been neglecting trimming that downstairs area. So I was just wondering, do you have COVID balls? Well, listen, doing fine in that department. I thought they were called marriage balls. Oh, dude, that's right. Well, if that's the case, if you've got COVID balls and I've got marriage balls, well, I guess we're in luck because our friends over at Manscaped, uh, by the way, Manscaped is the best in below-the-waist men's grooming, uh, have set us up with a discount code at manscaped.com. So right now, if you go to manscaped.com, and here is the lawnmower 3.0, by the way, if you go to manscaped.com and use the code BITB20, you can save 20 plus free shipping on your order. So again, that's manscaped.com. Use the code at checkout, BITB20 for 20% off plus free shipping. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. Well, good evening and welcome to episode 70 of the podcast. I'm your host, Harper Cody, and joining us virtually, as always, co-hosts Casey Abrams and Chad Melbourne. Got a great episode planned. Uh, We've got a new segment to kick off the episode in a little bit. We're going to go over the big trade in the National Hockey League over the weekend, and we've got one of our good friends that you guys played junior hockey with uh, back in the day joining us on this episode as well. But first of all, uh, how are you guys doing, Case and Chad? Well, boys, I'm coming to this one a little shakier than normal because I just read some news earlier today that has freaked me out a little bit, and I I really hope it's not true. It came from a pretty, eh, I don't know about that news source, but basically I read from a uh, Swiss or German uh, website that Nico Heischer actually broke his fibula in December during his uh, Switzerland training where someone fell on his leg and a broken fibula usually takes about two to three months to heal. So that would leave him at maybe February or March coming back. But a couple of people in the comments section from Switzerland said, yeah, this this website's bullshit. So uh, I'm really hoping it's not true. I tried to do a little Google translating, but it did not come out right. So, oh, my God. I yeah. don't know, man. Dude, Google Translate is the absolute worst. And preparing for this episode, I was reading a Finnish article that Patrick Laine apparently had shared some thoughts in. And it's just like, you know, the article was calling Patrick her and stuff like that because the translate doesn't, you know, doesn't do it properly. And, you know, the, the pronouns and everything are totally different in, in Finnish. But anyway, so it's it's tough to rely on that. Man, I really hope Nico Heischer is back sooner rather than later. Not even because I like the devil's case. Not even because I feel for you at all. I just, he's on my fantasy and that's why. So selfishly, yeah. I hope he comes back pretty soon. Well, I hope he comes back for better reasons than that. But well, yeah. uh, there's a little bit of conflicting, you know, stories going on here. When you listen to to Lindy Ruff, he's like, yeah, he's progressing well. He's been skating on his own and like all good signs constantly. And they're not saying it's just a leg injury and stuff yeah. like that. And they don't want to give any news about what's going on with them. And then in the article, it's actually quotes from Nico Heischer. And one of them translating pretty roughly basically said that he had some frustrations in the off season because a new trainer had to come in when Lindy Ruff came in. And that is not something Nico Heischer is ever going to say. He just kind of like is the most positive guy in the world when it comes to interviews. So yeah. um, that doesn't sound like him. So I'm really hoping that it's BS. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like that. And obviously, we wish the guy the best for fantasy reasons and for just, you know, him as a person. But yeah, so just uh, me dude, getting in, you know, Harp asked, how, how are we doing? So, dude, I am like, I was beyond pumped this weekend. I was able to get out on the ice and play at uh, our buddy Steve's McC- Steve McCand at his pond or the St. Lawrence River, actually, his little bay that he's got there. Oh, my God. It was the first time I put on the pads in probably, I want to say, like, at least two years. And I was awful. Couldn't move. But it was the most fun I've had in a very long time. And my hips Nothing let, changed. Yeah. My hips were letting me know the next day that I had played. They were sore. Uh, but anyways, I wanted to share that. It was a blast. And obviously, we posted on our, uh, our Instagram, too. And you guys seem to like that post as well. So, I will say... Um, just while we're on this topic of, of playing pond hockey, I've got a little bit of su- of a surprise coming up uh, that the listeners hopefully will like, and we'll post it on our Instagram page. But for now, I'm not going to share that. Harper, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. And just echoing what you said, it was great to get out on uh, Steve's ODR. So shout out to him. Uh, thanks to you, Steve, for letting us get out on the St. Lawrence and was feeling cooped up the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we haven't been able to skate or uh, play hockey anywhere here in town, so it was great to get out. And, man, I'm with you. I was so sore the next day. So, obviously, we got out on Saturday. Sunday, I didn't get out of bed all day, boys. I was so sore, so banged up from that, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, so what do you say we get into it? Yeah, yeah you know what? Yeah. Let's let's debut um, our new segment here that, that you mentioned. I'm excited for that. Yes. That's right. Okay, new segment. We're going to kick off uh, each podcast with this new segment. Very excited to kick it off. It's called Cap or No Cap. And basically, uh, what I am going to do is run through, you know, three or four questions uh, or statements, rather, to you guys. And uh, you're going to debate a little bit, give your take, basically, yes or no, cap or no cap. (laughs) <laughs> um, to, uh, <laughs> to to each statement. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, this is how we'll kick off each podcast. We are going to have a nice ID to go with it eventually. So stay tuned for that. Um, but really excited to kick off this segment for you. Okay, so let's get into the first one. All right. So here is our first one to kick off cap or no cap. Florida defenseman Keith Yandel uh, will be traded before the April 12th trade deadline. The situation has appeared to have settled with the Panthers, but that's our first one. Keith Yandel will be traded before the deadline on April the 12th. Cap or no cap case? Oh, I think he's gone for sure. I mean, you looked at what happened with the Giants where Eli Manning was the Iron Man there and he'd never miss a game. And then uh, McAdoo there, he jeopardized that and actually sat him for a game. And and basically he was uh, brought out of the Giants franchise by pitchfork. And uh, I think that jeopardizing Keith Yandel's Iron Man streak actually means a lot to him, even though he may not portray that. And uh, I think that they've already said, you know, we're moving on from Keith Yandel and he's not in our future. Why would he want to stick around for that? And, and you know that two teams where he wouldn't mind going are probably knocking on that door already in Arizona and Boston. The guy being a, a Boston boy, I believe, and uh, and coming from Arizona, playing for the Coyotes before. Um, I've heard that both teams are interested. And I think if uh, he's going to be traded, it's going to be one of those teams that could actually both use a defenseman. So. So Case is saying no cap in response to the question. Case, you got to play along here, man. You got to use, I don't, you know. I, we're I don't ap- live in Toronto, man. <laughs> Dude, we're appealing, you know, to the younger, to the Gen Zs here. We got to stay relevant, you know, somehow. So I'm going to say, Harper, in your response to, uh, you know, Keith Yandel will be traded by the deadline. I'm going to say that's cap G because he's staying on the team. <laughs> All year long, and I think the only reason why he's going to do this is because, um, you know, forcing a trade, I think, no matter where it's to, is going to force Keith Yandel to miss some time. Whether he goes, you know, Canadian teams haven't been rumored, but if he goes to a Canadian team, that's a 14-day quarantine period. If he goes to another division, you know, that's all sorts of complications there. So I'm going to say cap. He's got a no-trade clause. I know. I'm going to say cap. He stays with his team unless there is some way they can work it out where he doesn't have to quarantine or do the travel that forces him to miss a game. So, yeah, I think they get it done in the offseason after this year. I think that's the only way they're going to be able to do it. 
I think that he's got an opportunity to take one of the 10,000 PJs in Florida, rip over to whatever state got he, he accepted a trade to, and there's no chance he's going to Canada. So uh, no cap. There you go. Okay. All right. On to the next one. If Colin White can't become a regular in the Sens lineup, he'll be bought out in the offseason. He's got five years left on a six-year deal, paying him four seven five per cap and no cap. <laughs> Chad, you go ahead on this one first. Okay. I'm going to say no cap, G. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think that Colin White... If if he can't produce and, and find a way to be a regular in this lineup, then he's going to be bought out. I mean, the Ottawa Senators have cap space to burn for the next couple of years at least. So I think if any team is going to buy out a contract like that, Ottawa could be the team. So, yeah, I'm going to say no cap. I'm going to say cap because... <laughs> I know how Ottawa likes to deal with their money and I know that there's no huge contracts coming up in the next two years. It's like more of a three year two well, two years, but not next year. Uh, so basically they've got a little time to deal with his cap and, uh, and hopefully he turns out to be the player he was kind of uh, plotted out to be in the first place. And I think that they've also made it clear that they're willing to spend the money in Ottawa. Now they, they said that uh, this is the year that they're going to try to get towards the top of the cap. And well, no better way than to try to do it from within with Colin White. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. All right, and on to our final one for the cap or no cap segment. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens will extend their win streak beyond four games. Cap or no cap? <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with no cap because I think that. This team is absolutely buzzing right now. All four lines are are rolling through, and and they've, you know, they're so strong down the middle. And I think that they've uh, got a little bone to pick with uh, with Winnipeg right now, picking up Pierre Luc Dubois, the big French Canadian centerman who you know they wanted. So basically, this team who's uh, sticking together now, they're going to want to prove that this was the right choice for Bergevin, and they're going to go out and win a game. Yeah, I'm going to say no cap as well here, boys. Uh, I think this team is rolling. I believe they're 5-0-2 on the season. If not lost in regulation, uh, they're having a fantastic start to the year. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to say no cap. They're going to keep the momentum going. And uh, eventually the streak will end, but uh, I think not just yet. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. The first cap or no cap segment here on Boys in the Booth. You can expect that uh, uh, every episode uh, to kick things off. And so, by the that way, was great. Chad had Chad and I had no clue about any of those questions before we heard them. So there's a little pause there for us to think. And you guys say you want to uh, try to appeal to the younger generation. And at the beginning of this, you were literally saying you were sore from playing pond hockey one day. <laughs> that is so funny i think i honestly think that that this segment is is so funny because obviously the three of us are not you know the young you don't think it's so jokes we're not part yeah you know what this is so jokes we're part of this younger generation this slang and everything you know cap or no cap g i thought it was funny and uh yeah so listeners get ready for more of that uh in the future by the way, I was totally joking. Sunday, I was great. I was up early, spent like no time in bed all day. Yeah, yeah I was good. So- <laughs> Biggest one ever. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, that, w- that was a great first segment. Great job, boys. That's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. So, okay, let's get into the big news over the weekend. Saturday morning, we're waking up to the big deal between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg acquiring Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third round pick from Columbus in exchange for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. Boys, who do you think won this trade? Case, we'll go to you first. You know, I'm having a hard time picking who won this trade right away. It's it's kind of it's tough because it's so tight. And when you look at both these teams, it was kind of time sensitive for for both situations. Columbus a little more so because Dubois being sat and he he was having a rough start to the season, and he pretty he made it clear he wants out. Uh, Roslovic wanted out as well of Winnipeg. Line A probably could have played there for the season, but. Uh, both these teams we've kind of seen in the past that they've waited on making decisions and it's ended up biting them in the butt. Uh, you look at Columbus when they 
they had that one great year and then lost Panarin and Duchesne and uh, Bobrovsky and uh, Duclair and just a number of guys. And Winnipeg, uh, Truba was the last guy to say, I want out of Winnipeg. And they waited and waited on a trade for him. And it didn't really work out in the end. Um, it's looking a little better now because Hanoila or Hananoil. Hainola. You know that that Hainola. Hainola, yeah. <laughs> Yep, he yep. he's starting to to show that he he's probably going to be an NHL player. So that that's looking a little better. And Pionk did end up uh, producing for Winnipeg, but you know right away when you you saw that trade, it was like, man, this is this is tough. And uh, the longer you wait on these trades, the less of a return you're going to get. So time sensitive for both teams, and really. It's just what the doctor ordered for both of these teams as well. You look at Columbus and, and last season, I know it was a little shorter of a season. They only got 70 games done, but only two 20 goal scorers on this team, Bjorkstrand and a defenseman in Wierenski. So these guys really needed some goal scoring. And well, who better than Patrick Line? Like, what, are you going to get Austin Matthews? No. Okay, Patrick Line, next best chance. Um, so he's going to come in and, and be that probably first line right winger right away. Uh, kind of make up for Atkinson not being a 40 goal scorer anymore. Josh Anderson uh, being traded, and and uh, yeah, uh, Columbus already brought in a centerman to, to kind of take Pierre Luc Dubois' pl- uh, put, um, place in the the lineup. So I think it worked out great for them. And then in Winnipeg, you know, both those guys wanted out as well, and and perhaps the best center core in the league was just formed in Winnipeg. So yeah, yeah, I think. I think both teams are winners, and I'm not going to be able to really determine a winner until the two of them sign contracts. Yes, that's that's the big point that I was going to bring up too. Uh, just like some some notes talking about the trade right off the top. I'll say like the the fact that we can't automatically point to and say that team is is the definitive winner means that it was a good hockey trade. So I think like right now. It seems like a pretty even trade, but it will all depend on who signs long term, whether that's Patrick Line or Pierre Luc Dubois or neither or both. So, like, you, you never know. Like, I, the contract is a big thing for this trade uh, moving forward. So, I'll just summarize uh, some of my thoughts on the trade here. I thought Winnipeg got the more responsible player in Pierre Luc Dubois. But I thought Columbus got the player with the higher offensive upside in uh, Patrick Laine, who, as Casey mentioned, can score a ton of goals. Um, yep. Case, also something that you mentioned too, like talking about how this trade had to happen because, you know, like the longer you go on with these trades, like, you, you, a guy wants out, like the worse the, the return is. And that's exactly the case. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was a diminishing asset on this team because he was just sitting there. He played three minutes and 55 seconds in his, in his last game uh, with the team, which... Uh, yeah, if you didn't know, that's not a lot for a guy of this caliber. So that's uh, that was a good point you made there. I think Winnipeg and Columbus both addressed the needs uh, for their teams, like you said. But I thought Winnipeg's need at center was larger than Columbus's need on the wing. So for Winnipeg now, I could see Stastny moving to the wing now or being a really, really good 3C and being that three-headed monster now down the middle, like like you alluded to as well. Like, Stastny is a 40-point guy. Like, he, he can be either, like I said, a really good third-line center or a really good or, you so, know, average winger. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you say that it, it, you know, when you're looking at who won the trade, is it better to be the team that has an obvious choice? Jeez. Cho- an obvious choice for the player coming in on where they're going to play? Or is it better to be the team that's like, oh my gosh, do we have options now? Do we put Pierre-Luc Dubois on the wing? Is he playing 2C? Is Stastny playing 3C? Is Stastny on the wing? Ehlers is on the right wing now. Our top six is ridiculous. Yeah, You know, I, I think in Columbus, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen there. So, like, who do you, when you think about just that, who do you think wins the trade? What team? Yeah, I think having options is always a good thing, obviously. But I think at the same time, like, Winnipeg's offense before this trade um, was better than Columbus's just straight up, even before and after swapping these players. So I think Columbus gets a guy who you know exactly where he's going to play. He's going to play on that first line on the right side, and he's going to score a handful of goals, more than that, two handfuls. And uh, so you know that you're going to get production there, and hopefully the offense is going to be better. So 
I don't know. I think Columbus needed Patrick Laine more in that position, but I do agree that having Pierre-Luc Dubois creates um, more options for the Winnipeg Jets as well. So that's always a good thing too. Um, Harp, do you want to weigh in here just on the trade before? Because what what I wanted to do after this was kind of go like through each player. Like I had some notes on Line, some good and bad, some notes on Pierre-Luc Dubois, good and bad, Roslovic, good and bad, etc. So do you want to jump in before uh, I go through that? Sure. Well, I mean, you guys really said everything that that needed to be said. I think when it comes to the lineups, I mean, both of these teams have uh, have options, and uh, you know, Roslovic could play center or the wing. Uh, I, I think he comes in could very well be their second line center, and you kick out Texier to the wing or whatever they want to do. They've got Koivu and uh, and Max Domi there as well, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. And then, yeah, with Winnipeg, like you said, Case. Um, you know, that's a three-headed monster down the middle if that's uh, the route they decide to go with Shifley, Dubois, and and Paul Stassi. And, and then it gives them options with a couple of guys like Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry, who are very good uh, bottom six players as well. So, you know, I like this deal for both teams. And I, I wanted to bring up, it's, it's cool to look into, like, some of the background of these deals that get made. Like, there's always those little connections, right? And so... Um, um, looking at this, Dubois' dad is with the Manitoba Moose as a yeah. coach. Yeah. So that's a cool connection. And then you got Jack Rosovic, who is going to wear number 96 with Columbus. Well, guess what? He wore that as a teenager with Ohio, uh, with the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets. So it's just so cool to see these connections. And it just seems like, you know, now uh, when a, a deal is made, that there's always a backstory. There's always a couple of connections with the players involved, um, you know, with line A as well. Obviously, Jarmo Kekalainen is uh, from Finland as well and, uh, you know, has followed line A, likes him a lot. And that great clip where Kekalainen's getting interviewed and it's like you know how did it feel to to trade your your uh, your third overall pick in that 2016 draft and he's like well no problem we got the second overall pick in that draft and in, in return so yeah. so that was great and uh case i loved how you brought up um you know, when, when teams wait to deal guys and their value goes down. Yeah. Except if you're Joe Sackick with the Colorado avalanche yeah. waiting on guys, <laughs> you still get beyond full value. So no, I like this deal. And I just wanted to bring up those cool uh, connections. Well, it, uh, with yeah, those guys. And two points I have from those connections. Um, you know, there, there's something to be said about this season and how waiting on a trade could hurt them even more than normal because of quarantine and because of visas. Like, you know, that that's something you have to take into effect when you think about who won this trade is Patrick Laine is probably going to have to get a visa and, uh, and then he's going to have to quarantine. Pierre-Luc Dubois is from Canada, so he doesn't need a visa. So it's either going to be seven days or 14 days for him to uh, quarantine. And then Roslovic is also, he's American, right? So no visa there and seven days, bingo, bango, he's in the lineup. So yeah. that's a big deal as well. And if you wait longer in the season, you wait for the, the deadline. Well, it might be too little too late for those teams that are trying to bring in the big studs. Like I know, you know, 20 plus teams knocked on the door for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's something you have to bring in to consideration for sure. Yeah, one thing I will say is that you look at at both of these teams and Winnipeg right now making this trade, um, it's it's probably the best time all season for them to do this because Roslovic has been sitting out anyways waiting for that contract, which he signed, by the way, uh, for the listeners. Two years, 1.9, immediately after being traded, he signed that with the Blue Jackets. And uh, Patrick Laine's been hurt, so he's out of the lineup as well. So this is almost the perfect time for them to do it. They have to wait. They would have had to wait for those players to come back into the lineup. Now they have to wait for Pierre-Luc Dubois to come into the lineup, but they're waiting nonetheless. So it was good timing uh, for them. I wanted to talk about a a little bit about why these players wanted out. And I think there's more... Um, information out there. I don't know how how good this information is, but there's more information out there about why Patrick Laine wanted out compared to Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I, I listened to the interview today, um, the, the presser that Pierre-Luc Dubois did from his hotel room. 
um, and it, you know TSN Sports and everybody asking him questions. And a couple of the reporters asked about that. You know, what was the reason? And there were rumors that he had clashed with Torts and stuff. But like, I don't think we really have a definitive reason for Pierre Luc Dubois. I don't think he'll share. Maybe it'll come out in, in the next few years or whatever. But Patrick Line, I, I think it's pretty clear cut that he wanted more minutes on this team. He was playing on the second line. He has been since he was drafted and he he made it clear to the coaching staff, Paul Maurice and company that he wanted to play on the first line. And so I wanted to share something today because there was a little bit more than that uh that that came out in a Finnish publication. It was published yesterday and apparently Line wanted out of Winnipeg. Yes, because he wanted to play on the first line but also because he was allegedly being mistreated by Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and because he didn't think that coach Paul Maurice uh, was strong enough or controlled the room enough to discipline them. And like I said right off the top, guys, uh, Case, when you were talking about this article from uh, that you were reading about Nico Heischer in Swiss, uh, the Google Translate doesn't do it justice. And this article wasn't finished, so I will just you know preface that. I'll say this was in Finnish, Google Translate, whatever. But that was something he said specifically. And again, allegedly, I just want to cover all the bases here. Wheeler threatened... Uh, line A, you know, he felt threatened by line A rather that he was going to take his spot on the first line and he sort of resented line A for the possibility that Patrick line A could be as popular in Winnipeg one day as the great Finnish player Timu Solani. So that's it's sort of a weird thing there, but Blake Wheeler obviously has so much wow. respect for that organization. Um, that was something that leaked out in this article. And, and I don't want to say that this is 100% credible. And I don't want to say it's, it's not credible at all. Just This is just something that came out in Finland. So that was one thing. The second thing was that Mark Shifley apparently made it very clear in the dressing room that he only wanted to play with Blake Wheeler, Wheeler on the first line and not Patrick Laine. So those were two things. It seemed like these two players were going out of their way to make sure that Patrick Laine wasn't having a good time. And uh, that's one of the reasons he wanted out. Take that with a grain of salt. But I was wondering if you guys heard about that or ha- had any thoughts on it. I had only heard about that from you. And honestly, I, I find that so hard to believe all of it. Um, you know, those are two professionals and Shifley and Wheeler, uh, two leaders of the team. So I just find it a little hard to believe. Uh, and honestly, I, I feel like Paul Maurice, you know, he's, he's kind of cut from the same cloth of torts where he's, he's an old school guy. He's been a, around a long time and I don't think he's getting bullied by his, uh, his captain, uh, by any means, but I mean, who am I to know? I don't really know how, how these guys are be, uh, behind closed doors for sure, but I find it hard to, hard to believe. Personally. Yeah, it, it is a little bit hard to believe, but like I said, take it with a grain of salt. It's just something that was published in a, in a Finnish paper yesterday. So I wanted to say that, um, I, I also I wanted will, to, Oh, go ahead case. If you want to I will in. say, I don't find it hard to believe that Shifley would say, I only want to play with Wheeler. Yeah. I mean, like, why not? Why like why yeah. wouldn't why couldn't you say that as an as the like the best player on the team? I think that's fair, right? If you look at Jack Eichel or Austin Matthews, I'm sure they can say respectively, I want to play with Taylor Hall or I want to play with Mitch Marner, whatever. It's their team, you know. So that's yeah. that's understandable to a degree. Um I also just wanted to compare some of the the production from these two players too, because I think that's something that's been done uh, for this trade, but it I, it's just something I wanted to share, I guess, with the listeners too, just because I did my homework all day at work today because I didn't have much to do um, working from home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so both players like obviously produce points, but Patrick Line in pretty much every category but assist has been the better performer uh, overall in, in terms of point production. A caveat to that, though, is that Pierre-Luc Dubois has scored more points over the last three years at even strength, both goals and points. So it's it's sort of weird. Like Patrick Laine has been the, the better producer of the two, but that's largely because of his power play numbers. So that's obviously that guy, you know, he's automatic 40 goals and he's sick on the power play too. So Columbus is getting pretty happy with their power play. I'm sure it'll take a step up. But uh, yeah, those are some some stats. I wanted to share any final thoughts on, on this trade or, you know, I think, well, I mean, I've got a couple about basically everything you just said in, yeah. the, in that long, uh, long paragraph, I guess. Yeah. Um, basically when you talk about 
Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting to leave, it it really did sound like it wasn't contracts that was making this happen. It was, it was more something personal. So that has me led to believe that it was, you know, playing for torts. But, you know, we we heard the thing, the rumors that you wanted to play in a bigger market. Well, now he's going to Winnipeg. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out for him. And, and when you yeah. think about contracts, I'm a little worried about Winnipeg signing him back because, you know, like I said, a lot of this is, is from an article I read on the Hockey Writers where they mentioned that Paul Maurice is very similar to Torts and that he's an old school mentality coach. And then on top of that, you're going to Winnipeg where maybe besides Toronto is the, the toughest media in the league on their players. Either their players are gods or their players are scum. Like That's how they treat them. So there's going to be a lot of scrutiny depending on how he plays. And and on top of that, you know, he's paying more taxes and again, he's living in Winnipeg. So who knows if he's going to be still there next year. And then we, we know for sure who won this trade after that. <laughs> um, when you, when you talk about the, the production of these two players, I, I think that like Line was at his prime much quicker than Pierre-Luc Dubois. We, we kind of had a, a debate off the, the podcast, Chad and I today, kind of talking about guys entering the league right away. And I, and I made a point to say that, you know, a lot of the guys who are successful right away, it's because they were playing pro the year before. And Patrick Lining was playing in the Liga before he came to the NHL. And Pierre-Luc Dubois was in the QMJHL. And I think we really saw Pierre-Luc Dubois' coming out party last year in the playoffs, where he, we had a point per game and was a game changer. and. And you look at the production that's happened in the years previous and how Pierre-Luc Dubois took another year to come in and everything like that. Well, I think there's a lot of circumstance playing in uh, to that as well. Not only the five-on-five play versus power play, you know, Line saw a lot more power play time. Well, I, I just have to think that Pierre-Luc Dubois was not playing on nearly as good of a team as Patrick Line was uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, I don't think Luke... Pierre-Luc Dubois was playing with Panarin or Duchesne in that that big year, but he did put up pretty decent points. And then you saw production taper a little bit last year when the team got, frankly, worse. So I think there's a lot of circumstance that has Pierre-Luc Dubois playing a little uh, lesser to Patrick Laine, but I think that he is going to skyrocket playing in Winnipeg. You you would hope so. You would yeah. hope so. Anyway. I think both of them are going to be <clears throat> successful on these teams that they're going to. That's but what I, was I think that say. Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to skyrocket dude that's the point you just made that's what i was going to say i think both of these players are going to have a great opportunity and uh, frankly it seems like they're you know prime like in a perfect position to capitalize on this opportunity to be the player that everybody thought they were so like patrick line had a down year last year and i guess you can call it a down year compared to his 40 goals and 71 points in his rookie year like as an 18 19 year old like that is insane so like if he can get back up to scoring 40 goals a year 45 50 like this guy can put the puck in the net now playing on the first line that's going to be fantastic and Pierre-Luc Dubois surrounded by talented offensive players now you know I I don't know like he'll be playing with maybe Kyle Connor maybe Nick Ehlers like either of those guys like it's just you know I think they're both in in really good positions and and that's why both teams frankly win this trade for now, we'll see, you know, what uh, what happens in the future, who signs. But well, just quickly to talk about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Winnipeg again, uh, it's, it obviously sounds like I'm, I'm starting to lean a little more to one side about yeah. who won this trade the more I talk. But um, you have to think, you know, with him playing on the second line, whether it be with... Uh, uh, Nikolai Ehlers or Kyle Connor, which I don't think they're going to split up Kyle Connor from the other two. Um, and then Stastny, like... You have to think that second line, what we know about Winnipeg, um, they got their shutdown line playing against the other team's top line. You have your first line playing against the other team's shutdown line. So that second line is going to be playing against a little bit weaker competition, you have to believe, just based off their system. So I'd like to look at the numbers on what it's been like in the last two years. But I have to think that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to have a lot of favorable uh, lineup matchups. So I'm really excited to see it. I'm, I'm, a big, fun, I'm a man. big PLD fan after oh, last yeah. year, not going to lie. And I've always been a little biased towards, uh, you know, I, I was never a huge Patrick Kleine fan. So here we are. Yeah. 
it's going to be interesting to see how this deal plays out, boys. That's for sure. What do you say we bring in our, our special guest on on the pod here, Corey Morrell, our good buddy and uh, devoted Blue Jackets fan, with his thoughts on the deal? How about that? Absolutely. All right. You're listening to Boys in the Booth, a local hockey podcast. Joining us now on the podcast, our good friend and devoted Columbus Blue Jackets fan with his thoughts on the deal, Corey Morrell. Chunk, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you boys doing tonight? Good, good. Oh, just fine. Just peachy. Talk about some Blue Jackets or what? Yes, sir. That's for sure. The big trade over the weekend. So, Chunk, we'll dive right into it here. Um, obviously, you were you were surprised uh, by the news on Saturday morning. There, I remember uh, hitting you up a couple of weeks ago. You know, trying to to bring it up. This was a story that uh, just kept escalating. You know, the last couple of weeks, and and your reaction to me at first was just like. Harp, what the heck are you talking about? And you didn't know, uh, you know, um, you you were definitely surprised given the fact that uh, Dubois signed that two-year extension at ten million dollars uh, to stay with Columbus. Uh, just your re- your initial reaction to the deal over the weekend. Well, I mean, um, I just want to say first, hats off to you guys for doing all those uh, episodes on the division rankings and everything. Uh, I listened to those at work, probably why they felt like it went by a little longer than usual, but uh, <laughs> they were really good to uh, really good to listen to, and you guys nailed it on the head. Um, Casey nailed it. He said Columbus uh, third, I think, and then you guys brought it down to four, so that's all right. It's whatever, but um, no, I mean, when I heard it, I it was just kind of is this a rumor or did it actually happen? Like, uh, cause there's been talk with both those guys, right. Wanting to get out. And, um, yeah, when I heard it, I just kind of couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, Chunk, that's a good point that maybe we have to look at those roster ran- or the, uh, the rankings again, because honestly, I think Winnipeg has a better chance of making the playoffs now. And I think Columbus should be back in third. Yeah. Honestly, I think both of these teams got better. Uh, Corey, Mo money, mo problems, morale. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question <laughs> while we're talking about Columbus. I just wanted to to jump in. How did you first become a Columbus Blue Jackets fan? Growing up first in Ajax, so the Toronto area, and then moving here to to the Brockville, North Augusta area. So, like I would say, the Ottawa area. How did you become a Columbus Blue Jackets fan? Um, well, it kind of it kind of goes way back. I guess Chad, you might know this. You were one of my first buddies here. But when I came here, I was um, an Ottawa Senators fan. When I moved here at ten, um, I lived in Toronto all my life, yeah. and then I started being a Leaf fan when I moved here. Um, and I'll always like the Leafs. But uh, years ago, I had a buddy of mine, Nick Westendorf, huge Sens fan. And I hated the sense. So I said, dude, I'll cheer for anybody in the league as long as I can cheer against Ottawa. And at that time, Columbus was dead last in the league. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a joke for the first year or whatever. But then year went by. I kind of kept going along with it. Now here we are like eight years later and I'm a diehard Blue Jackets fan. That's so hilarious. last year was a little wild for you, kind of like in Toronto a little bit, and then Columbus beating them out in the playoffs. Yes, when they uh, match up in the playoffs, I'm not too happy to say the least. But I mean, I guess it won't happen this year until at least semifinals. So we'll see. Well, as the only Columbus Blue Jackets fan I know in the world, <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to ask you what it's like to be a fan of that team because it's such a roller coaster of emotions. You think back a couple of years ago. They looked really good. They had like Panarin and Bobrovsky and, and all these guys. I mentioned earlier in the in the episode that they had a lot of guys. And then suddenly in that year, they lost them. And then they go on to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's the best team in the league. And then, you know, last year weren't expected to do much in the playoffs and they beat the Leafs. And and then, you know, they have that that five OT game with 
84 saves for Jonas uh, Corpusalo and then you know yeah. the trade for Domi and now this trade and and Josh Anderson leaving and it, it kind of seems like there's always something going on in Columbus it's like you know they have a smaller market but they're always trying to push for them to be relevant you know I guess what you're saying is they should be considered the most exciting team in hockey right like all the <laughs> stuff you just said like that's some some pretty crazy stuff happening in Columbus but uh, I mean, I don't know. For years, it's it's definitely been a roller coaster, to say the least. Um, we've had good teams not go far. We've had bad teams upset teams in the playoffs. And uh, I guess with just the different style of play that they have, right, under torts and, like, every – they're very unconventional, but at the same time, they're, like, the most conventional team you should have, I guess. But it's definitely been a roller coaster. Um, but I mean, getting the line, I feel like when's the last time you could say the Blue Jackets had like a star? Rick Nash. Probably be like Rick Nash, exactly. Bobrovsky was, um, a star, but local, a little different being a goalie, right? But this is the first time the Blue Jackets actually have a star player, right? So they've, they've, done it their way for years and it's been a roller coaster but i'm thinking maybe now with that addition they could get back to having the kind of momentum and record and production that they did years ago with rick nash yeah so you you think about some of the guys they brought in and it it seemed like they're always bringing in guys who are kind of just passing their prime and like Jeff Carter and uh, Marion Gabrick and, and guys like that. So now you have a guy entering his prime, like that's got to be huge. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we've all known what line a could be one day, right? And now here we are a couple of years in the league and he probably hasn't gotten all that he wanted out of Winnipeg up to this point. Right. So, I mean, ceiling could be even higher than what we thought beginning of last year year before that so i don't know it would be interesting but i'm excited so you mentioned torts how do you how do you think it's going to work out with patrick line and tortorello you think that like that. either line has to kind of set the tone or, or does he come in and, and be a little submissive or or, or how is this going to work with those two because you know he had a hard time in winnipeg and uh pierre luc dubois had a hard time with torts and other people have of, of course in the past so how do you think that's going to work what's that dynamic yeah, well, I mean, I guess the the consensus is that Torts is like not a easy guy to get along with. Um, but I mean, I don't know, Line going through it with Paul Maurice, and I guess if you're having a hard time with Paul Maurice, I don't imagine you're going to have a super smooth sailing time with Torts, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, we'll see. It's not like he can come in there and hey, boys, I'm the star. Like, you can't really do that on a team like that, right? Like, yeah, they love having you there, and things might be a little different, but it's still the Blue Jackets, right? They play differently, right? So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of messed himself into that lineup. But yeah, uh, as far as torts goes, it's who knows. My, my last question is how long or if at all, do you think there's going to be a video game-related rule made by Tortorello in the Columbus Blue Jackets organization? Um, since there is one, I don't think it's going away. <laughs> All right. Corey, uh, I, I just had a question. We talked a lot in our uh, our episode just before this about the big names. So Pierre-Luc Dubois, obviously, and Patrick Laine, obviously. But when it came to the trade, we didn't really talk about um, the, the two lesser pieces, and that's Jack Roslovic and uh, the 2022 third-round pick uh, swapping there. So I just wanted to, to get your thoughts on Roslovic, you know, 25th overall pick in 2016. I, I think he's got... Middle six upside potential could be a second line center for this team, could be a third line center, uh, in, you know, in the future. Right handed shot hasn't been great in the NHL so far, but you know, like he had 29 points in 71 games last season. And going with the boys in the booth trend, uh, you know, I think he he's really going to benefit from this change of scenery. So, Corey, just I don't know if you know much about the guy, but what have you heard? What do you like about the guy? Uh, any thoughts on Jack Roslovic? 
Uh, well, again, I mean, like you guys, it's almost like you guys called this trade in those division rankings. Like you guys are talking about Line and Rosovic both not happy, and Case, you said uh, both teams there just seem to be doomed or something. Columbus and Winnipeg. Yeah. Now here they are with the trade, right? But Rosovic, I mean, he's a Columbus guy, right? Uh, like another young guy, and like, oh, I'm just seeing the Blue Jackets on their social media, right? Like, welcome home. Uh, and he's posting happy to be back. So, I mean, as far as that goes, it's got to be a little bit better for him. Um, probably help him contribute more. And then another young guy, right, on this Blue Jackets team that they they play a hard game. Um, and they're really sound defensively um, with the two there, Jones and Wierenski, obviously. But um, a lot of young guys, like Texier and these guys just coming up. So I feel like he could be another one. Uh, kid from home once he gets playing there and you get some fans back right anything can happen yeah yeah you're kind of saying he he, like he fits the identity there in columbus pretty well and you know if if you need a change of scenery well there's no better place to do that than going home yeah exactly well yeah you look at all these players they get older in their careers right like they they want to go play at home john Tavares wants to go back to toronto right like stuff like that happens if you're that young and it just so happens that you're not happy somewhere and can go home i think it's nothing but up for this kid so we'll see yeah really cool connection obviously with jack rosovic coming back to columbus he's going to wear the number 96 uh the number that he wore with uh, the ohio triple a blue jackets as a teenager we said that earlier on the pod here uh chunk you know we talked about before we had you hop on here with us that um it's going to be interesting to see what lineup changes are made how things may or may not shuffle around for both of these teams and i see more shuffling around uh with the Columbus Blue Jackets and particularly in the middle of the ice. So we'll stick with uh, with Roslevic now. You, uh, with Dubois out, you would have to think that Max Domi becomes your number one center. And right now, with Roslevic and Line on the way, down the middle, this is how they stack up. Uh, and this is per uh, daily face-off. So they've got Domi, Texier, Riley Nash, and Miko Koivu in that order. So Chunk, I'm just wondering, you as a Columbus fan who obviously follows the Blue Jackets. Um, how do you see this team stacking up in the middle of the ice now with the addition of Jack Roslevic? Uh, well, I mean, you got two older guys in Nash and uh, Koivu, great vets on the team, can play can play the hard minutes, can play the shutdown type of thing. And then if you got Texier, um, young kid in the middle, he's he showed he can produce. And uh, like you said, the addition of Domi, uh, they can kind of come at you with whatever they need, right? If they need points and they need a quick line out there, they have the kids for it. If they need to shut you down, they can throw the vets out there and do it. Um, and, I mean, to have that kind of difference in players through the one position down the middle, it's I think that center position especially is going to definitely help them out being built that way. So, And then, yeah, we'll see. You add lighting on the wing and you can – Mix them around in the power play with Rowenski and Jones and stuff like that. It's I'm excited. It should be interesting. So yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, Pierre Luc Dubois had like 320 hits with Columbus. Who's going to make up for that now? Um, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, you don't have Ryan Anderson there either, right? And it's uh, so I mean, if you're looking for hits, I don't know. I guess these guys on D they play pretty solid game like Savard and uh those guys right there they're no uh no slouch no young rookie or whatever they'll grind you but um yeah I don't know we'll see Corey, I just have one more question, uh, and then that's it for me. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about goaltending, and I wanted to ask you this question. Obviously, Officer Bob has moved on from the team. He's now in Florida, and he hasn't looked very good there so far. Hopefully, he bounces back just for his sake and for Florida's sake. But now, you've got two studs in net, Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merslickens. To you, the Columbus fan, Here's my tough question. If you had to pick just one of those guys moving on, and this question might not be so far-fetched because this question is going to come up in the near future. If you had to pick one guy 
uh, to keep as your starting goaltender and move on from the other, who would it be? Who would be your starting goaltender in Columbus? Um, you know what? I right now I would say Corpusalo. Um, because he's been with the team, he's logged those backup minutes, and he's came in when he had to as a starter and showed that he can be a starter, right? He came in like he had however many saves in the playoffs or whatever that one game, but he's had other crazy games too where he's been the one to get them the win, right? Which I think a lot of people never really thought of because it was always the Bobrovsky show, right? And then Bobrovsky left and everybody freaked out but he came in and proved himself um so i gotta say him just because of that um but that might be different at the end of this year or a full year that you can see elvis play because he is really good and going to be really good um and i see definitely potential for him to be a starter so i guess when it comes time to pick it's going to be tough, but just based on what I've seen, i got to go Corpusalo. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more likely that Columbus might not have, well, they'll have to make the decision, but it might not affect them because, you know, there's so many tandems forming in this league due to this season. So uh, Seattle's going to have, you know, to pick a litter for sure. Columbus has the deepest, um, depth when it comes to to goaltending in the nhl i would say they've got those two studs coming up behind these two guys too danil terazov and uh, and kiv lennox who could be a candidate for the seattle expansion so they're they're so deep in the net and you've got to think chunk if they decide to move on from one of those two it'd be a pretty good return coming back to you guys yeah, yeah for well. sure Again, and it, it happened before, right? Bob left, and everybody thought, "Well, what do we do now?" And here we are, two years later, and you're talking about how deep they are in net with two potential starters. Like everything's fine, right? It's a roller coaster. Um, so I mean, <laughs> it it worked out the last time. It can happen again uh, if that's the case. But definitely for right now, it's it's looking pretty good in net. The reason I asked that question is because I have Corpus Salo in my fantasy. He is one of my starting goaltenders, so I uh, just want to hear some good things. There you go. <laughs> you got quite a few Blue Jackets in fantasy. So. Yeah, I think I have set, well, six now. I used to have seven, but now I have one Winnipeg Jet on my team. So. <laughs> right on. There you go. Well, hey, listen, Chunk, really appreciate you coming on, giving your thoughts. Uh, this was fantastic, and uh, Columbus uh, will continue to be an exciting team to watch down the stretch here uh, this season in the NHL. So thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, no worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Any more insight you need on the Blue Jackets, I'm always here. And uh, <laughs> if uh, you need a little recap before they go into the Stanley Cup final, you just let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Corey, I think we got to talk junior hockey sometime coming up soon, too, because it's been a while. Yeah, we could definitely do that. It has been a while. <laughs> That's right. Thanks a lot, man. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.